Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very much for listening. This is episode two, Loving You from 1957. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and we are back here again, second episode of the year. We are flying through the filmography of one Mr. Elvis Presley. Yes, we are. Big day. This is his first top build. Oh. It's an Elvis. This mm-hmm. is definitely this an is, Elvis movie. Yeah, this is constructed for the king. And I've got to tell you, it's a little exhausting. A little? It's, it's, a, it's really exhausting. It's a lot. So it's a lot. It's what is so <laughs> fascinating to me is that there are. I think we were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. Before we started recording, there are seven songs in this movie. Oh, there's seven. Okay. So there are. I think there's seven songs, All right. and he sings them a total of like twelve or thirteen times. He sings at least two of them twice. But there is a thirty-minute stretch at the end of this movie <laughs> where there is not a single song. That's right. And twenty-five minutes in. Elvis disappears. We're going to get to this. But at 25 minutes into that 30-minute run, somebody says, what's your show? Where's your star? And I was like, are they talking about this movie? Because like, question. it basically becomes a totally different movie, uh-huh. and I can't wait to talk about it. I can't either, especially since that first hour jam-packed with music. It's literally just like uh, they put on an Elvis record. Yes. it's cra- And some songs, one song, he sings twice back-to-back. Yep. Blew my mind. Love it. Okay, so first, before we get into any of this, we got okay. a bunch of things to get through. All right. Please hit me with a plot summary for Loving You. Okay, so Elvis plays Deke Rivers. He Short for Deacon? Who knows? We'll never find out. But I, oh man, but there is a twist about mm-hmm, his name. Mm-hmm. He delivers beer uh, out of the back of his car yep. in a very small town. Yep, with a sidekick. He's got this little sidekick with him, Teddy. Who Does he come back at the end? He comes back for one minute. On the telethon. On the telethon. Yeah, okay. When they're looking for Elvis, pleading with his friend to come home. There's like a band playing and there's like a publicist there and they're looking for like a new sound at this jamboree that's going on. Oh no, it's the Crooked Snake Oil Selling Governors Rally that's going on in this yes. town. And Elvis- People are not a fan of him. No, no, no one loves this guy at all. Uh, and this movie feels like a half a Western. It feels like a transition from the last movie. Okay. Elvis is basically like forced up on stage and made to sing a song like a monkey. And everyone loves him. He's great. And this woman wants to take him to California, make him a huge star. Yep. And basically it's like that thing you do yeah. where he goes from like town to town, sings a song, becomes like more integrated with the band, kind of gets double billed, then like takes over the entire because act. Because the band is just like a local, like they're, they they have aspirations of stardom, but they're on the decline. Yeah, if, they've, and, if they've ever even been there in the first place. Right. And the major thing that this woman discovers about Elvis is that Glenda. they're the good witch. She discovers that sex sells, yep. and they're going to package Elvis like a teenage sex She has drop. some crazy marketing ideas, which we will get they into. They are insane. She's a genius in her own right, but she's also like a mad supervillain. Elvis can't really like deal with the stardom so much. Like Things aren't going his way. He wants to do it his way, but they're dressing him up in all these fancy suits, telling him what to sing, where to go, what to do. And, and this movie is in glorious it. full color, unlike the last movie. So we see these suits in their full yeah. glory. All, all the way from his denim tuxedo in the beginning to his denim tuxedo at the end of the movie that he ends up back in and everything in between. So at one point, Elvis goes missing. Like, he doesn't want to, like, do it anymore. So they're they're all looking for Elvis. But then they find Elvis, and he's like, okay, I'll do it again. It's kind of like this compromise at the end where they decide, like, we'll split everything. Like, we'll give you more say, and you can do what you want, but we'll still all, like, make money together. It's a little hard to follow at the end because it becomes, like, rock and roll gets put on trial and like it's so bizarre where this movie ends up ultimately elvis comes back he sings loving well, you gets put on trial she she like stands up to city hall like there's a lot of like there's classic so movie tropes in this movie all shoved into the last like 35 minutes yeah because um, they have they finally are able to have a breather from like the song 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 <laughs> like oh we can actually have a plot now but elvis ends up like finding a happy medium with his stardom and stays with his manager and they all end up together happily ever after and he even has a nice uh, his sweetheart Susan Susan there at the end and it ends with him making out with her and everything very very sexually charged yep. film here this time around and uh, that's it Elvis becomes like a big star I'm sure this isn't very different than what actually happened to Elvis the man himself where he was sort of I thought this through, was a very meta commentary on a lot of that, things yeah, 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 yeah ringer and I was saying yesterday too it's sort of a scathing indictment of the music industry <laughs> like the behind the scenes I was surprised to see something to show the music industry in such a negative light all here in this are 
second Elvis film. So here's some background, some trivia, some things that I learned from online before we talk about the movie. The only tagline for this movie, because we talked about the taglines last time, because this oh, yeah. is a different era for marketing. Mm-hmm. They feel lazier, because remember, like, all, all four or five taglines last time were just like the same thing, which is like a variation <laughs> on the theme, like, yeah. you'll love me tender, blah, blah, blah. The only tagline for this movie is, you'll love loving you. Oh my god, that's terrible. Elvis's parents, Vernon and Gladys, were cast in the audi- cast as audience members oh. in this film. After Elvis' mom, Gladys, died, Elvis said he could never watch this movie again because it hurt too much. Oh, no. I didn't see them in the movie, but I don't know what they look like. I don't know either. That's... Again, we are not equipped to do this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> According to IMDb, and I do not know if this is true because it feels crazy if true, a line of dialogue in this movie inspired the name of the band The Monkees hmm. when Deke says to his controlling managers in the moment of rebellion, that's what you're selling, isn't it? A monkey in a zoo. Huh. So apparently... That's kind of vague, but okay. There's another line in here that I hear in like Tarantino movies because the Texas band is called like the Ramblers, and he mm-hmm. says, come on, Ramblers, let's get rambling. I was like, oh, I've heard that in... I've heard like Clooney say that line. Uh, Jana Lund, who plays this like small town girl who is in love with Elvis after she hears him on the radio, mm-hmm. gives Elvis his first on-screen kiss when she storms into his... She hides in his dressing room. Yes. Which there's no security, apparently, no. even though, like, they need security. Yes. And she sneaks in there and she kisses Elvis, and then he, at one point he, like, picks her up, like, almost literally throws her out of the room and be like, picks her up, moves her, opens the door and tries to, And she, like, slams her. She's like, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> yeah. This is his first color film, like we said. He naturally had light brown hair. He dyed it black for this movie and then never stopped dyeing it. Wow, because you can tell. It's like a black hole. It's like that paint that they have now that's like true black. Have you heard of that? It Mm -hmm. like sucks all the light in and everything like that. Like I could not get over his hair. Working titles for this film included Stranger in Town, which Mm -hmm. sounds menacing, Something for the Girls, which Which it is, (laughs) and Lonesome Cowboy, which is one of the songs, songs. Before Loving You Was Settled On. The Italian name of the movie... Amami Tenoramente translates as Love Me Tender, which Whoa, is obviously the last the first movie. movie. And that movie in, in Italy was known as Fratelli Rivali, a.k.a. Rival Brothers. Oh, I like that. Which is a great movie title. This movie should have been called Hot Dog, Hot Dog. I love it. Some history from the wiki. The storyline about a delivery man discovered by a music publicist and a country western musician was scripted based on the short story A Call from Mitch Miller. Hal Cantor, who co-wrote the script, expanded it after being inspired by Presley's last appearance on Louisiana Hayride, which was like a a, radio program, like a variety show, I think, on the radio, and his manager, Colonel Tom Parker's Mm -hmm. antics. So Colonel Tom's just like, this kid's going to be something, and they're like, oh, we need to buff this up. Uh, This is the first of Elvis's seven films in a row for Paramount that Hal Wallace produced. Okay. He was paid $150,000 for this movie. Whoa. Yes. Okay, flat fee. So here are some of the people that acted in this movie. So Glenda Markle, the manager, is played by Elizabeth Scott, yes. who returned from retirement to star in this movie. Oh. And I love at one point at the end when he drives up to, I think, the final show, or like before he runs away, and she's like, I don't want you to be seen with any woman under 60. And I was like, that's a very kind way of saying you're in your 50s. Yes. <laughs> Originally, I thought I heard that line as, I don't want you to be seen with any woman under 16 oh. the first time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> that's a different thing altogether, which I agree with. Do not be seen with any woman under 16. Wendell Corey plays Walter... Tex Warner, mm-hmm. who is the country western singer. He's known for Rear Window. He was in Rear Window. Okay. And he co-starred with Elizabeth Scott, who plays Glenda, who plays his, we learned toward the end of the movie, his ex-wife, in two films in 1947, Desert Fury and I Walk Alone. So they had a history. I guess there's fewer okay. actors back then, so it's going to make sense that they cross over more. Yeah, and if they worked well together, studios would pair them up more and stuff yeah. like that. So Dolores Hart plays Susan Jessup, Elvis' his love sweetheart. interest. Yeah. This is her film debut. She's she's great. great. Yeah, she's so natural. She was discovered by Wallace in a production of Joan of Lorraine at Loyola, and important to us, she will be Elvis's love interest in King Creole. Oh, cool. She'll come back. back. Uh, Ken Becker, sometimes Kenny Becker, Kenneth Becker, plays Deke's rival Wayne, who is in one scene of the movie. (laughs) He is the guy at the diner, right? Who throws salt or sugar on Elvis when they're fighting? Well, he like challenges his manhood by saying, "I heard you sing." And Elvis is like, you're going to have to come to my show. He's like, prove it now. And Elvis has to prove it. We're going to get to that in its entirety. Uh, This guy played similar roles 
in G.I. Blues, Girls, 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 and Roustabout. So we've got a lot oh, more man. of He's Ken Becker coming. Elvis's rival. We talked about last time, remember, that they couldn't hire Elvis's band because they didn't look country enough or okay. whatever. This one includes appearances by Elvis's guitarist, Scotty Moore, bassist, Bill Black, drummer, DJ Fontana, and the Jordanaires. Oh, good. So they implemented his actual band into the movie. Oh, that's I cool. guess for the first time. It premiered in July, in July 1957. Elvis did not go to the premiere. He instead went to a midnight showing with his parents and his girlfriend, Anita Wood. Oh, cool. But what's interesting about the premiere is that because Elvis was so popular, the studio was like, we're not going to do the normal first-run theaters. We're going to go wide with this. They called it the Presley pattern, where they just basically put it out in a bunch of screens. They're just like, let's get this out there. Oh, like today? Like when you, like it would go everywhere instead of like... They sent it to neighborhood theaters in New York, Chicago, and Detroit. The Presley pattern consisted of delivering the product to its direct market by cutting the expenses of premieres in downtown theaters, oh. choosing local venues for a wider and more profitable release. Oh, that's cool. So it was almost like an either, or you could either have like this giant premiere if you want, or you could send it to like a hundred extra theaters. Yep. That's cool. And it would make more money. Yeah. Uh, it made $3.7 million, and then when Elvis went off to war, they re-released it and didn't make a lot of money, but it came back in theaters a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, it's not a very good movie. <laughs> and mixed, uh, there's a lot of reviews about this on Wikipedia if you want to go, but basically mixed. Like People are saying like this is Elvis's growth as a actor, but then other people are just mm. talking about how it, he doesn't not really an actor, and it's just sort of hit or miss, but like there's mm. people who are really fond of this, but it seems like, for the most part, this is a good kind of the summary, a good sort of exciting early Elvis movie, but it's not going to blow anybody's socks off, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's very standard tropes going on. Like, there's nothing groundbreaking about the story or anything like that, but what I feel is really interesting is just how much music is in that first half and how much Elvis is singing and all that kind of thing and all that. And so, like, that's really cool. So there are seven songs in this movie. Let's go go through them one by one. Okay. Got a lot of living to do, which might be my favorite song in the movie. We, uh, Got a lot of love in the do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a lot of love in the do. That's very good. That's I the like first that. one that they play. Then they have "Let's Have a Party," which again is. So I was listening. <laughs> so I have on Spotify the four songs from the first film. Yes. Then there's the seven in this one. Yes. There is an entire "Loving You" album that has like 15 songs, oh. but like eight of them, and it might have been a, re- a later release. I don't know, but there's like eight of them that are not. In, the, in movie. the movie? They're just like on the soundtrack or whatever. Okay. Let's Have a Party is Good. Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear, which we were both teddy surprised. Teddy Bear, I couldn't believe, is on this. Again, like it fits, but it's also, like what, I, what, what I'm finding about these movies through two, so it's having a great <laughs> pattern so far, is that when I know a song already, I'm kind of less excited by it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Love Me Tender, I was like, oh, okay. And then like Teddy Bear, I'm like, oh, but I know this one. But the, the, the thing that I was excited about for Teddy Bear was like, is this where it started like did it debut in this movie probably not but it's even more so it's weirder to shove it in here than unless it's like well we need an uh, one of elvis's current hits already say these other songs can stand up to that song you know what i'm saying it'd be like quality control kind of thing like let's throw in an already proven hit so they know we're like we're not fooling around with these new songs or anything but i'm looking up the timeline right now but they released teddy bear as a single with loving you as the b-side oh, and it sold okay. over a million copies wow so it must have been for this movie. So it's a popular song first recorded in 57 for the soundtrack of a second motion picture Loving You. So it was written for this movie. It became one of his biggest hits ever. It's amazing. It was released actually a month before this. So they put uh, it out they're like okay. get ready for it because yeah. it's coming. Yeah. Recorded in January 57 released in June 57 B-side Loving You. Yeah because I feel like if you heard that song in theaters for the first time like you just scream and lose your mind or something like that. Right? Because we talked about how like a lot of these movies feel like they're just excuses to put the songs in the movie. This one especially, then we're going we're mm-hmm. to talk about that. Hot Dog. Awesome. <laughs> so good. I already talked about fellow Cage Club Podcast Network host Jordan Poland clark loves hot dogs in movies. I was like, I got to let you know. Mm-hmm. Elvis, Elvis movie number two, song called Hot Dog. Perfect. Lonesome Cowboy, great song. So good. I'm just a lonesome cowboy. <laughs> then there's Mean Woman Blues, which I think is a good song. I don't, I, I don't love it. Like, it's, it's, it's good. That's the one that he sings at the diner when he's challenged, I think? We'll find that, that out. Let me see if I can... This is... Here we go. I got him. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, I here. think that's the one he sings at the diner to prove that he's not a chump. Okay. And then there's the titular Loving You, which plays over the opening credits yeah, briefly. The, yeah. And then the about an hour into the movie. That's his... That's the last song before the big... Before he goes away for a half, half hour, hour break. Yes. No more music. And then he comes back and he sings that again. But what I loved, I loved how he sings, um, let's have a party. And then he gets to the, in the very next scene, he goes, y'all know how, let's have a party. And they just sing, start the song again. Well, there, <laughs> that you know, takes balls, man. <laughs> when he sings Mean Woman Blues, that's in the, that's in the diner. Yeah. Because that's when you were saying he gets challenged to sing, right? They're like, oh, well, prove it. And he goes over to the jukebox and he 
puts in a nickel or whatever, and he puts a song. And I'm like, are we to believe that there's an instrumental yep. Elvis Presley yep. song yep. on this jukebox? Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, no, that's he does that twice in this movie. The first time he gets up on stage at the fair, the county fair, whatever. He's like, he's like, play a boogie woogie something, or like, just play. A... Well, I think boogie woogie is just like the style. Like, yeah, it's like the yeah. yeah, it's like a riff, right? But then he makes up the words to the song, right? So it's like he has this ability to just like come up on stage or put on an instrumental and come up with like amazing lyrics. I don't know. Like I, that's not the impression I got. That might be true. But the impression that I got was that cause his friend is like to the band. He's like, Hey, just play a boogie woogie thing. And I feel like that's just like close enough. Like he knows the friend knows that he's got a song that mm. fits into that style. Okay. And so giving Elvis that kind of kick in the butt is just going to be like, Oh, like let's hear it's that. It's a familiar, song. you know this. Yeah. Movie starts. You were, you did the recap, but yeah. movie starts and Elvis is just hanging out. Like they're well, he's Tex, delivering beer. Yeah. Tex is like playing his music on stage. For the rally, the he's, people don't like him. He's pretty bad. And Elvis is dancing, and then his friend is dancing next to him. I'm like, it's got to be such a difficult thing to be dancing in a movie next to Elvis, because you're not going to look cool. Like, And they, they play up his corniness. Oh, yeah. And I even texted you when I started this, I, and I it was like, what is happening with Elvis's little buddy? Like, he's losing his mind or something. So the first song he sings has got a lot of living to do. This is when Glenda looks at him, and she's basically got, like, cartoon dollar signs in her eyes. She's yes. just like, oh, this guy is my ticket to superstardom. In terms of you know, what we were tracking last movie in terms of how this fits into the overall narrative. This whole movie kind of feels like forced musical situations, Mm -hmm. but it also feels like within the world that they're in, it feels kind of natural. Like, it's not like they're just like, oh, let's go outside and sing you a couple songs. It's like, well, they're at a musical event. Yeah. So it's kind of in, in, in between sort of like where it makes sense, but it's also like, they're building the movie around these moments, but within the movie, the moments make sense. It's constructed around like a certain reality. Like I was saying earlier, like it's a, it's very much about like inside music industry kind of thing where it's like, these are the steps that it takes in order to groom a star. It's almost like a star is born kind of thing like that. And we're far from the shallow now. <laughs> and I think what was kind of smart about the movie, setting it in that world, you know what I'm saying? Because it gives a lot of natural moments for him to break out into song. Basically, yes. they're at a jamboree. They're at a music review. They're at the radio station. They're wherever. wherever. It Every... makes sense that he joins a band that's touring. That it too. just gives yeah. them. It yeah. gives him an opportunity to just sing in front of a bunch of people. And then we find out later that she got gets him fired from his job, so he has to go on tour. With he just because he showed up late to one delivery, and he's like he got fired the same morning that they were oh, leaving town. Oh shucks! I should have late, and they fired me. It feels like from this very early, from the first time he he, he performs, there's a sense that he feels, I think, like a show pony. He's not thrilled mm-hmm. by it, right? He's just like, I don't like being basically brought around and like already from the from the jump, I think feels like he's being exploited. That really comes in heavy like later on in the movie. But there's one moment where he's been on tour for a little while and he comes in wearing like a really flashy shirt and he's like, I love this shirt. Green and shirt. She, yeah. And she's like, don't wear that on stage because they need to see your pretty face. And that's like one of the first signs where I was like, oh, like, yeah, she's going to control and like mold and all this. So let's thing. talk and about Glenda because there is at times sporadically a love triangle and no love triangle. They even kiss. They kiss, but it also feels super weird. So okay. it is. Super, so there's super four weird. people, right? So there's Tex and Glenda who feel like they're in a relationship, but we find out that they were married and now they just work together. They got divorced and now they just work together. Like, she's his manager or whatever. But they also bang halfway through the movie. Why not? So, (laughs) I didn't... Then she hires Elvis and Tex is jealous of... Like, he Mm feels... Like, for a while, he's like, oh, like, he's helping boost my status. Right. And then Elvis is a co-headliner and then Elvis is the headliner and then they're like, they only want Elvis, they don't want Tex. Right. And so he becomes kind of silently more and more jealous and embittered and yeah. whatever toward Elvis, Elvis because keeps breaking he's usurping him. Elvis keeps breaking his guitar strings and he gives that amazing... The greatest <laughs> moment in this movie to me is Elvis breaks the guitar strings and then they give Elvis his own guitar. They're like, here, you can stop breaking our guitars. Here's your own guitar. And then the next song he sings is Lonesome Cowboy and that song, he doesn't play the guitar he's using the guitar as a drum yeah, so instead of like it. wildly strumming he's just like gently tapping the guitar <laughs> and i love that they're like hey here's your guitar go wild he's just like tap 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 <laughs> tex is feeling jealous of elvis elvis also has susan sometimes they call her Susie. she's kind of jealous of all the attention elvis is getting all the ladies yeah. but she's sort of just around like she's kind of doing like seamstress stuff for him it feels like they're 
kind of in a relationship, but also not like they have like cute date things. Like they go to the carnival, yeah. And he wins her a bird. She doesn't seem important until he has like lunch with her family on the farm and sings "Loving You" to her. I was still kind of unclear by the end. Like when he sings "Loving You," I was like, I don't know if he's singing like on stage. Yeah, at the end. I don't know if he's singing it to Glenda or if he's singing it to <laughs> Susan because it could have gone either way. At that point, you're right. Elvis is kind of in love with Susan, but there's not. Like, that's not the main story no. here. Elvis isn't really in love with Glenda, and Glenda's not really in love with Elvis, but they still kiss. Yeah. And then Tex is like, Tex, I think, and maybe it's just the 50s, maybe it's just, maybe it's just this upset about a kiss, maybe a kiss is a metaphor, but he's basically like, you slept with Elvis, and I'm furious, and she's yeah. like, I just let him kiss me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. But it feels like... I don't know, again, if kiss is a metaphor, if, like, if they're just, if this is an extra marital, like, further. if this was not the well, 50s, they, they would have slept together. He does not have ownership over her, but he's still jealous of her. Yeah. And it just feels weird. I don't know. No, I got the same feeling. I was like, it should be a very clear, constructed love square. And it's you know? not. And there's, it's so vague and so strange. And I, I didn't know that they were divorced. I thought that they were together the whole movie until Texas like, oh yeah, we didn't work out when we were dating. We didn't work out when we were married and we're not working out as we're divorced and all. I was like, wait, what? Like, I for sure thought they, they were just together. Yeah, all the Elvis stuff was because just Because when Elvis get him learns jealous. that they were married, he gets, he feels like betrayed. It's like, why do you feel, I don't understand why you feel betrayed by that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's over stuff, for sure. Yeah. Like, this is all stuff that would get fleshed out if there weren't nine songs in the movie. Mm -hmm. But we need to have, like, more songs in the movie and stuff. So, like, the story is parts and pieces of just very familiar tropes that, you know, are from every other movie at this time. So it's like, just throw some confusion about who likes each other and some more confusion about, like, my image and this and, yeah, you know, and it's just little the things. The real relationship thing that is clear is at the very end of the movie... Tex and Glenda are apparently back together. Yes. And Elvis and Susan are together for the first time. Yes. So they both make out, and that's the end of the movie. Yes. There's a big make-out. Because what I love about, what I always forget, kind of, and then I remember when the opening credits are three or four minutes long, is that movies, like when it's like an hour 25 or whatever, this is an hour 35 or whatever, the movie ends at an hour 35. It's not like an hour 30 and there's five minutes of credits. It's like no, no, we're no. going right up to the very end and says the end. Yeah. And so there's like a minute left and like, let's go in the room. And then that's when Glenda and Tex make out. Elvis pokes his head out the door <laughs> and I'm like, please let there be a freeze frame to end the movie. Comes back inside. It's like, hey, lawyer, get on out of here. I got, I can close this deal on my own or whatever. Yeah. Then he just makes out with, with Susan the end. Yeah. This sort of ambiguous, which feels important, but also in the movie's like, it's not important. Love square, as you said. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really just Elvis and Glenda kind of have two relationships. Mm -hmm. But the one with each other <laughs> isn't really a relationship. The conflict of the movie needs it to be, but it's not. Right. You come to find out that what Elvis really is looking for is family. Yes. And he says at the end, like, yeah, the one thing I was looking for was friends, and I found it. It's like, yeah, yeah but text, like, almost literally just said, I hate police. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. Like, he settles for the friends that he has, and he calls that family. If I could just put one more very unnecessary plot point development on top of all these other things, we find out with, like, I don't know, 10 minutes left in the movie, Elvis isn't who he says he is? Yes. So he Dick Whitman's himself. Yes. Just a spoiler from Yes, Man. holy shit. But he grew up in an orphanage that burned down. Yeah. He his, ran away. His name is like Jimmy Thompson? Jimmy Tompkins. Tompkins. Goes, he winds up in a graveyard. In a, yeah. Sees a buried Deke. Deke Rivers. Deke he's Rivers. Deke Rivers' grave. Sees that on his epitaph says like he was a great man. And he's right? like, I'm Deke Rivers now. And he's like, I will live up to this man's name and becomes Deke Rivers from then on the orphaned. Elvis. But how fortunate that they just happened to be passing through that town that they could stop at that cemetery and he could show her that grave. Well, it kind of feels like they wind up back where they started. Like, it feels like at the oh, end of the movie. Okay. I, don't that know could that's, be. I don't know but if that's But why would he not. stick around the same town all those years that there was a dead Deke Rivers if he stole this guy's name? Wouldn't they be like, hey, that name sounds familiar? Then maybe they don't wind up where they started. Yeah. It feels like they wind up kind of far away, and it just happens to be near the grave that he took the name from. And it's just all so super convenient. But what actually is kind of interesting is that toward the middle of the movie, they gave Elvis a new outfit. They gave him the new booth, like the red and white, and they yep. gave him the car that matches. And yeah, they did the, the whole car, reverse thing. Where they're and like, they're like, yeah. maybe you need a new name like Tab or Rock. And he's like, my name is my name. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, this is weird. And then later you're like, oh, now it's I know why. Because it's not his name, but he's trying to live up to that great man. Does any of that matter? Like, what does it matter? He's 
not Deke Rivers to begin with. It doesn't? Like, can't you just shave that extra 10 minutes off and not make me more confused? Because it doesn't add anything. And if anything, it's... I think it adds just, like, internal conflict to him, maybe? I think it adds... Because he is an angry dude. He's an angry dude. He's angry if there's and one he's thing alone and he's he, isolated. He, this is the second movie in a row where he, like, explodes with a certain type of anger and things. So I guess, I guess they needed to... If they wanted to flesh out his backstory, they could have done a hell of a lot worse. It's just... It's very much along those same lines, though, of, like, super on-the-nose kind of thing, where it's like the orphanage burned down like every other orphanage and every Dickens yeah. tale. Like yeah. it just, it just to me felt like this thing is like a, like an ice cream cone. It's about to like fall over because there's too many scoops or something. So you're saying before they show up to the Longhorn community fair night, he sings, let's have a party. And then it begins the montage. And the next stop, they also play, let's have a party. It's like, <laughs> Okay. okay. And then they go to Let's, Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear, Got a Lot of love, Living to Do. Then they play Hot Dog. And this feels to me like this is the quick hits, like, hey, kids, go to the record store and buy any one of these songs. They're all available now. Like, I don't know if they yeah. are, but it feels like this is, we're just going to, we're getting a bunch out. And I'm like, I'm furiously scribbling down, like, what these songs are. Because I'm like, there's so many here. And you know what I realize? I love short songs. Because oh, you could just listen to it twice in a row and the feel seven like you songs heard it you can listen to in probably sixteen minutes, maybe. Oh, it's terrific! Hot dogs a minute twelve. Yeah, fourteen. You know, real life side story. I was at, I went to see my friend's band last night, and they're this punk band, World War Nine, and like they they played a half an hour. They must have played like ten, eleven songs yeah. in a half hour. You know what I'm saying? Like it was beautiful. Very my five dads too. Like very short songs. <laughs> he played in slow and cowboy in dramatic spotlit lighting, which I really liked. So when that started, I thought it was going to go in a very different direction. Which is it starts off with like this very like grand rumbling and he's like Whoa. and then it's like do 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 and it's kind he's of the like western. Oh. It's the western. yeah and that leads me to believe like they're transitioning the viewers from the last movie to this movie the last movie was a western this movie starts in a set that is a western town modernized yeah. for the 50s and he's in a country western band and he's dressed as a cowboy most of the movie I feel, I feel like they're trying to get Elvis you know what I'm saying like this is a transitional movie visually to be like last time you saw him he was a cowboy now he's half a cowboy and half modern Elvis next movie I think he's going to be full blown Elvis and I don't know if it's an intentional decision I don't know if it's just a budgetary decision but if you listen to the songs from this movie versus the songs from the last movie the production on this these are all like immaculately produced oh, songs yeah. the other ones sort of sound like from from Love Me Tender aside from that one like the other ones kind of sound like low budget maybe intentionally so but they yeah. feel sort of like dirtier muddier songs these are all like pristine like these are he's now a superstar yeah there's way more instruments playing in these songs, right? Yes. Like there were the other ones were real knee slappers, like in the sense that the drums were a guy slapping his knee, and like you know, we even found out that there were, some of those songs were based on Civil War songs and things. So like, yeah, there's a very different vibe to that and match the era better. And this is yeah, we're in the modern day with these with this music for sure. What is important about the time he plays Lonesome Cowboy is that he gets first like heckled positively. Oh, that from was the crowd crazy. where girls like I love you, Elvis, and he like gets very upset. Like it seems like he wants to be like a serious artist. I know. But then he goes backstage and he's like, did you hear that? That was great. And she definitely planned that, right? That was one of her plans. Because she kind of like looked and it almost seemed like she like cued the girl to stand up. Let's talk about Glenda's marketing (laughs) voice because they all work and they all are wildly complex. (laughs) So at one point they're in, there's essentially like, imagine like a a music festival tent. Like there's just like a big tent and they're like outside the exit. So like the stage is in the front, sea of people and they're behind all those people. And she sees two older ladies passing by and she's like, I want you to talk shit about Elvis. Just say like, I don't like it. I don't like him, whatever. Walk by these young girls and say that. And they go by and these girls are like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. And then a fight erupts. A riot breaks out. And then there's a photographer there who like captures it and it's just like, riot break like look at these like cr- the madness that Elvis yeah. is like whatever so that works out beautifully he has a picture they have a picture of Elvis and Susan or someone making out and they put in the newspaper kissing cousins oh, the girl backstage yeah is, okay and that's that's a gonna, future movie I know yeah. but they have like because the, the headline says that's kissing cousin yeah which don't know what, what that means <laughs> but the craziest and I still don't understand the mechanics of this they apparently have like a life insurance oh, policy yes that was <laughs> Taken out on Elvis's life, on Deke's life, and they're like, we're going to borrow against that to buy this wildly expensive car, but we're going to tell Elvis that it was a gift because he's a rising superstar. Okay. But to what end? I do not know. (laughs) I thought 
they cashed in Texas life insurance for that. I think that. it's maybe. Their and life te- insurance. And, and, which would be even worse because it's Glenda going like, hey, Tex, you cash in your life insurance and I'm going to buy Elvis a car with that money because they like him more than you. You're washed up. Give me your money of your life insurance. But like, what's crazy about this movie is that not only does Elvis not know that Tex and Glenda were married and divorced, but Tex does not know that Glenda signed Elvis to a manager degree. Oh my God, that's like, right. Elvis and Tex go out to dinner at one point toward the end of the movie. Tex is kind of talking shit about Glenda, and he goes, no, Glenda's a good woman. She signed me as a manager. She's entitled to 50% of my earnings. She hasn't taken a penny. And Tex is like, wait, what now? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then he goes back to Glenda, <laughs> and they have a big blow up then. I don't understand why these, like, seem, these things that seem probably obvious are just not addressed how does elvis not know that they were together how does tex not know that she's managing him like he thinks that she's doing from the goodness of her heart there's no time to explain we need elvis to sing another he's got a lot of living he's got to sing more no plot sing i think that's something that's going to balance out as we watch these movies is like they'll become more coherent and less of like just now's the time for a song like every five minutes or something right like this feels like they don't quite know the balance or the tone of how like it's too much they know the style right like this film is the style of an Elvis movie should be, but they don't have it constructed appropriately yet. No. They don't know how to like build it, is, it yet. It is exhausting for an hour. It and then is... like it becomes an actual movie and I'm like, oh, this is good. But there's so much missing because all the exposition is like skipped over that first hour for most of the music and then when we get down to the actual plot and the story, I'm so lost yeah. because like all these developed characters are, are I've missed it all. And that's when we find out about like the divorce and rock and roll goes on trial and like the things that she's been doing aren't exactly moral and like that's starting to come out and questioning Elvis's abilities and, and it just makes Elvis run away. And then it reminded me of that other movie. Is it Sullivan's Travels where like the famous director I love, I love that movie. gets into an accident and gets amnesia and ends up on a chain gang or something? Yeah. I swear I thought the last 10 minutes of this movie they were going to find like Elvis with amnesia on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> Well so he just disappears and Glenda's like don't worry I'm going to go find him and she just happens she... to drive by on the road where he crashes his car into a ditch when he's drunk. In all the roads in Texas or the Panhandle or like just the South in general, she goes down the one road where he just oh. happens to and like he's just down a hill but she still stops it. Like, and he's been missing. Like they're cutting back from the telethon or whatever it is. It's the where's the Elvis thon. I don't <laughs> know a, what it is. There's a great line in this. I think it's like, I think it's supposed to be the national like this is going to be the the coming out party because she oh okay he's, they build up to this like huge event in this town the town or the city or whatever cancels it because there's been complaints from the parents or whatever right. that his music is like damaging the it's youth devil's music so Glenda goes to city hall she literally <laughs> takes on city hall yeah. basically this is going to be good for the town this is going to be good for you blah 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 like let's build up in a way that we're going to do like this national televised thing it's going to be like Elvis's coming out party like this is going to be his right. introduction to the world okay like Deke is going to be a superstar now and they're like cool let's do it and then like, she's like ha so like she's on her way out she's like literally like hey i just realized i fought city hall <laughs> and so they do this whole telethon where by the way elvis is nowhere to be like they still go along like she's like don't worry i'll get him but he's been gone for 25 minutes in the movie by this point no one's heard from him it feels like days the world keeps on ticking <laughs> so they bring in susan they bring in this friend and they're just like it's like testimonials stories. right yeah, like, they're like stories about elvis like how good of a guy he is they brought his buddy from the beginning back that he used to deliver beer with and and, and it felt like a it felt like at that point they knew he was missing or something because he's like i just gotta say like wherever you are like i love your buddy or <laughs> like come back it's like a, like a memorial service for elvis that nobody knows about yet like nobody knows <laughs> the, except for like maybe like they all think he's these, there. like four counties or whatever right oh. and then at the end susan then the, the the producer has a great line. He's just like, oh, 30 minutes about a guy and the guy's not even here. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but okay. And Susan's like, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm like, this isn't on the teleprompter. I'm going to go off book. And I'm like, what's going to be? She like, rips open the curtain. She's like, Deke's not even here. It's like, okay. okay. Like, that's... But he right. was by that point, And right? then, like, yeah, that helped. It's like, all right, Elvis is here. Crazy. So crazy. What's weird about the Susan thing is, again, like, even at this point, like, I'm still not clear. Like, he has the dinner at her family's farm. Yeah. And, like, her younger brother and sister, who basically reminded me of, like, the kids from The Witch, just like, you know, Tom, like, <laughs> Thomas and the younger, kid, the younger Phillip, siblings. That they're just, like, staring. Like, they're in love. They're smitten by Elvis. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, buying Elvis things, and, like, Glenda seems jealous of Susan, but there's no romantic... And again, I think that's something you've been saying. Like, we just skip over all that. Yeah. Like, we don't. There's no development there. No. And it's jarring. 
Elvis is impressing Susan with baseball throws at the carnival game, and oh, then yeah? they win birds, which I was like, we only get fish now. Like, it's a bird is like a that's a real prize. Well, we don't even get. I mean, do they still even do the fish? I feel like it's all stuffed animals now. I think back I when I was a kid, we won a goldfish at a maybe, carnival. Maybe like, boardwalk. I don't know. Okay. I really don't. know. I haven't really seen the live fish in a while. But Elvis is getting bigger. Deke is getting bigger, more well known. They go to this diner. The girls are like, "Oh my god, that's Deke over there!" And they start going nuts. And then that's when the guy gets really upset, and he's just like, "Prove it." That's what he's saying is Mean Woman Blues. I love that the cashier girl is like tapping along and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess this is like, it's supposed to be like, oh no, what did she do? But she's like tapping on this like $94, but like just cleared up and she's like, oh my God, what do I do? But then that's when they have a fist fight. The guy hates Elvis. Elvis beats him up. The guy throws sugar on Elvis. They just mm-hmm. fight for a while. And that's the end. Like they just yeah. get broken up and that's the and end it's of the never, scene. And it's never brought and up again. And then his girlfriend comes back and kisses Elvis, but like. But it's never like, oh, you got to stop being such like a, like a fighter. Like you, I feel like that's what's kind of missing is like Elvis isn't bad enough you know because like that's what they should have done like they take this guy off the street who's a beer delivery guy like he should be rougher around the edges but he kind of just like slips right into the mold for the most part, and yeah. you know, and but he's not, not happy about it. No, but we don't know he's, he's not, not happy, happy, but we don't he, know that he's not happy about exactly. it. Exactly, like he's not he's not acting out. <laughs> he's not acting yeah. out his anger yet. So I do like that there was like a timely reference in the middle of the movie. They're like, "Well, we got three days." They're like, "What should we do? We go see the Ten Commandments twice." <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> "The movie that just came out last year, yeah, so long." <laughs> but yeah, he plays "Loving You" is the is the last song we hear for the first time. He plays it for Susan's family in their backyard, and then at the basically the song ends, and then Glenda pulls up in the new car, and she's like, "Hey, Elvis." Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, that, again, feels like, is this a love triangle thing? Because it's like, she's trying to take him away from Susan, but just feels, no, it's like just a weirdly timed Yeah, you know what that car also felt like to me is the producers are like, well, we got this car. Let's fit it into this movie. And like, let's just do a commercial for a little while about like how great this car is. And like, maybe it'll help us like produce a little bit of this film. <laughs> what I love about the car is that they have like all these girls signing the car, like love you and crazy for you and Deke, all my love Doris. They're just like girls, I guess, like, like lipstick or mm-hmm. etching things to the side. It's <laughs> like very expensive car, like just their love for him. But also why are you parking that out front? Like, it's just like, it's supposed to be an attraction. I mean, it's gotta be functional too. Is the car he drives. And so this is when the concert gets canceled and Elvis, like, it seems like art imitating life where, like, the concert gets canceled because he's too progressive and he's still, he's upset mm-hmm. about all the publicity and all this different stuff. Oh, yeah. But I don't think audiences were picking up on that. At the, like, that's the weird, I wonder how sophisticated audiences were in 57 to pick up because I do think for sure that the filmmakers knew what they were doing by making this a meta thing about, like, oh, this isn't exactly the path of Elvis's career, but it's along the same lines as, like, Country Boy Gets Discovered, Whirlwind, you know, Fame, Fortune, yeah, after all that. Forrest Gump, when he stays with Forrest Gump's mom. Except for, the, yeah, except for that one part where he learns to dance from young Forrest. Yeah, so, like, the rest of it, I don't feel like the movie is very concerned with, like, connecting any other dots. No, which is really weird. And then that's when Tex and Glenda have their big blow-up about kissing Elvis and all this different stuff. Glenda finds Elvis, she crashes his car, he's drunk and angry and bitter, and, he, <laughs> and she tells him that Mama's never coming home because, or Mama's never going to come because Elvis had told her earlier that his parents were dead. Yes. But it felt like, he sort of said it ambiguously, like, he, they died when he was, like, an adult or something, but it turns out that he was an orphan. Yes. And then that's when he brings her to the graveyard. Yeah. So maybe that's where he was going, you know, like when he ran away. Back to Deke, he always winds up back at the graveyard. Maybe he winds but up back But she doesn't back know about it some... yet. No. So how does she find him? He br- she, he ends up bringing her there. Right. But, yeah. And then at the end, he gets even she rescues him, she brings him back. He plays Loving You, then got a lot of living to do again. Tex likes Glenda again because Glenda tears up the contract. Yes. Like, Tex is the worst. Like, he's just, he's he's not outwardly a villain, but he's a monster. Yeah. And then Elvis hires them both back. And he just wanted friends. So I just had to mention quickly, when she's, when uh, Glenda's fighting to save rock and roll, do you remember what she uses as an example? I don't remember. She uses jazz. Oh, yes. So <laughs> another white person using jazz to their own devices. Back when jazz first came on the scene, everyone thought it was dangerous and this and that, and, and it became fine. It's fine. There's nothing wrong well, with I jazz. Think appealing. Like, she's trying to appeal to these, like, all, like, 60-year-old white men, right? Like, just like, hey, you know that music that your parents didn't like you listening to? Like, it's the same thing. Like, this is, like, the OK Boomer of the 50s. <laughs> right. Perfect. It's like, OK, Greatest Generation. Yeah. That's not an apt comparison whatsoever. I mean, I understand how someone, a writer might think that would make sense when they're like, well, what was the music of their generation? But... But it's not like 
jazz was unaccepted. Like everyone, it might have been, but not to the degree that rock and roll became sort of. Vilified. I actually don't know. I mean, we because I think we know a lot more about it because I feel like the people who are sort of teaching that lived through it. I wonder if jazz mm. was really widely rejected because I also feel like there's probably an element of racism. Oh, the totally. rejection of jazz. Totally, jazz is a predominantly. But there were like Benny Goodman guys, right? There were a lot of white jazz guys too. I wouldn't say elevated the art form, but carried it on when no one else, when they wouldn't hire the black guys to be on. You know what I'm saying? Like it just felt more accepted in general. I suppose we have white guys singing rock and roll and white women going, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? Like it just seems like there's more bias towards rock yeah. and roll. That's a whole different movie, I guess. And the very last line of the movie is that after Elvis watches Tex and Glenda making out, he kicks the lawyer out and just says, this is one deal I can handle by myself. I love make out the end. I love how fucking sexually charged this movie is because it was all this movie is just designed for girls to lose their mind. I wonder how horny like all these movies have to have to be horny on some level, right? This is the horny this is one of the horniest movies I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. Like I'm including like porkies. It's like of the times, like probably as close to like a boner jam as you might be able to get, you know? Because it is just like Look at Elvis make out with all these women. Look at these women lose their mind over how sexy Elvis is. Look at Elvis dance. And he's doing some crazy dance moves in this yeah. movie I've never seen in my life. And Love stuff. It. But like, it is all just sex sells. She even says at one point at the end, right? Something about that where she's like, I am using that. She's all about manipulating the public and stuff. And she's like, yeah, sex sells. So I have a question for you. What is your favorite song? What's the best song in the movie? What do you think is the best song in this movie? I think the best song surprisingly is it's not my favorite song but i think lonesome cowboy is the best song i think that's the most well-written song in the movie is that your favorite no what's your favorite i like let's have a party (laughs) okay it's like a sock hop kind of thing but it's also you could also like sort of pogo to it a little bit i don't know it kind of covers a lot of ground for me as far as like a song from the 50s i really like that i think the best song is I, i would agree with you is uh lonesome cowboy I think it's beautiful. I think it's it it feels as different to the rest of the songs here as Love Me Tender did in the first movie, mm-hmm. but it also fits here unlike Love Me Tender did in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's it's just like, point. oh, this feels like it makes sense, like it's a melancholy kind of song and it fits thematically with like what Elvis is feeling, what Deke is feeling. And I think that's great. I think my favorite, though, Got a Lot of Living to Do. Oh, okay. I think. I also love Hot Dog, but I think that, like, Got a Lot of Living to Do, like, I think it just got energy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. What I want to do, so there is a feature on IndieWire. That every time IndieWire has like a news story about a film or whatever, at the bottom of the blog post, they have what's the best movie currently in theater. So like every week they interview, they they pull a bunch of critics. Okay. And they're like, what's the, like if you want to go see a movie now, like what's the best movie you can see in theaters? And like for a while, it still might be, because I think it's still in theaters, it's Parasite. Because just like Parasite is just, it's one of the greatest movies of the decade, right? Like it's just, it's incredible. I want to do what is the best Elvis song in a movie so far? Hmm. Every episode. Okay. So it might be like, in theory, like if we're saying that Lonesome Cowboy is the best song here, if Lonesome Cowboy is the best song in any Elvis movie, it could just be Lonesome Cowboy from here on out. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. But so so if, if we say best Elvis song in the first movie, would it be Rude Boy? Poor Boy. Poor Boy. Yeah. It would be Poor Boy. I think Boy. so. So then in this one, we're going to say the best Elvis song, Lonesome Cowboy, is better than Poor Boy. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be like a good kind of barometer to see, almost like, you know, charting the hits, right? Like, how long is it going to stay at number one Mm. until something surpasses it? Now, in terms of the overall inclusion of songs in the movie, how forced into the narrative on a scale of one to ten? Ten is like, absolutely makes sense. There's nothing forced about it. One is just like, oh, this is all shoehorned in. We gave Love Me Tender a six because it felt like everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And then, because we gave like the five out of five for the other ones, and then just when he sings just on the porch, we're like, "Mm, that doesn't... On a scale of one to ten, ten being... To, makes total sense. How forced are the songs in this movie? I don't think they're forced at all. To be quite, I mean, look, there's too many of them. There's too many of them. Yeah. There's so there is a forced aspect there, but but they're all being played at the appropriate. Well, except for maybe the diner one. So, so it's like more like an eight. Or eight so. out of ten. I think it's pretty good because I think like what I was saying before, like the big, I think the big takeaway, the songs for the most part don't feel forced because they make sense within the movie, but the movie is very clearly scripted around these songs. Yes, that's the problem. So like it makes sense that he's singing a song, but also like if you're following the movie, it's like, well, the scene doesn't make sense. Yeah. But the song forced in doesn't feel, the song doesn't feel forced in. That's the thing. The scene feels forced in. The movie feels written around the idea that including these songs here 
Now, yeah. write the rest of the movie around these scenes kind of situation. So it's almost the reverse in a little bit of a way from the last movie where it's like, we got to shove these songs in. This movie's like, we got to shove this movie in around these songs kind yeah. of thing. Do you have any other notes before we move on, before we look at to, look ahead to the next movie? Right. Which I don't even know what it is. What other notes do you have about uh, Loving You? I don't really have any other. I love how they banned... They banned him. That was so funny. Yeah, no, I just love how the movie ended with uh, Elvis making out. That was so great. I was like, yes, that's all they want to see. They just want to see Elvis kiss a girl, and they get to go out on that. It's better than Ghost Elvis over his own grave, right? It's a much better ending for Elvis in this movie. He doesn't die. Although I do love Ghost Elvis a lot. Ghost Elvis is one of the best things I mean, I think I've ever seen on film, but like, how inappropriate. Like, just like the most inappropriate thing, like, imaginable. (laughs) So he has, even though he was married in the first movie to his brother's wife, kind of widow, but not widow, right? Like, sort of betrothed. He married his brother's wife. He has his first three on-screen kisses here. He's got the groupie, he's got Glenda, and he's got Susan. Oh, that's wild. That's wild. I didn't even realize that. He's got three in one. I can't believe he didn't kiss anybody in the last movie. He didn't even kiss his wife. Okay, so okay. if you remember, last yes, episode, we guessed for this one. Yeah, that he had that you were going to guess this is a reverse Love Me Tender where he came out of a coma and didn't remember anything. <laughs> that was way off. Not exactly true. I said it was going to be a Romeo and Juliet where Elvis is a poor boy. Also, not, not wildly true not true. The next movie we have, same year, 1957, a little movie called Jailhouse Rock. <sighs> I've seen it. You've I've seen, seen it. it. I love can it. you guess it, or you can't guess because you know what it's about? I know exactly what happens. So like, I know this movie back and forth. I've only seen it two or three times, but I love this movie. Okay, so what I'm going to guess is that it's going to be like a Paddington 2 situation where Elvis is in, wrongly imprisoned, and then they have a song and dance number. He's sort of it's, it's a movie about prison reform. Can I just tell you right now? No. Well, no. <laughs> I want to I be surprised. Where he goes to prison, sort of, he, he, he doesn't belong in prison, but he goes to prison, and then it's about prison reform, but he, like, sings and dances his way through the movie. It's incredible. Actually, you can tell me. What... You're, like, 99.9%. Add that with Con Air, and you're right on the money. Really? <laughs> Like, what, what element, Conair? Like, sort of like a manslaughter kind of element, if I remember. Like, he gets into a fight in the beginning of the movie, and okay. a guy accidentally dies, and he has to go to jail for that. And that's where he learns to play guitar and sing and dance because of his cellmate. Okay. So you were very, very fucking close. So, for comparison's sake, Loving You has a 6.5 on IMDb. Jailhouse Rock, also 6.5. Oh, I thought that had been... Higher? Yeah. I like it more. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying about? to like show my hand too much or anything, but like, it's just... This is probably going to be your favorite one so far of the three, you think? Yeah. I mean, I already, I mean I've seen it twice, and I already like it more than the two we okay. watched. 1,745 people had seen Loving You on IMDb. Mm-hmm. 72.41, way more, like four times as many, had seen Jailhouse Rock. Wow. So this is much more popular. Letterboxd rating, Loving You at a 3.1. Jailhouse Rock has a 3.1 as well. So people think it's the same thing. Letterboxd seen, only 326 people saw Loving You. Oh. 36 hundred wow. have seen Jailhouse Rock. Wow. 3583. So that's a big, big jump. Huge. So very, Huge. very exciting there. The only other thing I think to talk about is I want to have a weekly or a monthly or episodic news update. You know, someone okay. near and dear to my favorite heart, uh, Riley Keough. Oh, yes. granddaughter. Same here. This is Riley Keough News Roundup. Uh, she's right. in Earthquake Bird on Netflix All with right. Alicia Vikander. Oh, I love there. The movie's good. Okay. It's not great. I also saw that she's going to be in some movie. She posted on Instagram. I don't know what it is, but I think she's going to be in another A24 movie, which okay. is very exciting to me because the last time I think, no, she's probably been in other A24 movies because she was in like, it comes at night, I think it was A24, but you know, A24 Honey, made American, uh, Honey, American Honey, which is my favorite movie of the decade. So uh, she's one of the few celebrities I actually follow on Instagram. <laughs> um, and she doesn't, she like posts like surprisingly a lot of like personal stuff of just like hanging out. Yeah. Like back, like whatever. Like She seems tired a lot. Yeah. <laughs> up really early to like I'd be remiss because you run a Fast and Furious podcast if I didn't just mention that she posted a incredible photo of uh, Dame Helen Mirren if I'm not mistaken oh she posted that that's what you, that's well, you found she, it she, she reposted, reposted that from a famous photographer who took that photo that was a pretty incredible photo uh, I don't know so like I got that through Riley Keough's uh Instagram. You know what I learned this week, which I did not know? She married, she is married to, I think she was married, she's married to the Doof Warrior from Fury Road, the guy who plays the guitar. Oh, cool. We were talking about Riley Keough, the Tub Talk guys and I, and we were like... Oh, she's in that movie. Shit, yeah. She's one of the brides. She's... Holy crap. She plays Capable. Capable. But yeah, I think they probably met on set because they were down there for like 18 months or whatever, right? Just in the middle of the Australian desert. And my friend Matt was like, that is the coolest person you could be married to, the Doof Warrior. Just like, the, you know... George Miller today, I think I saw, he's like, I might have another one in me. Which, I mean, I want it, but I don't want it because that movie's perfect. But if you have another one, by all means, go for it. Any other thoughts about loving you? Dude, I'm loving 
the Elvis podcast so far. You know, like even though the movies aren't exactly like the best movies, like I love Elvis in the movies yep. and like he is just so alive. And in, even in this one, like I was again, I have this theory that I think every once in a while Nick Cage goes back and watches some Elvis to get inspiration. Very possible. The way Elvis carries himself sometimes throughout a scene and like walks or saunters, like I could have sworn like Cage has, has like emulated that as a walk or something or anything. So like I see a lot of Nick Cage in Elvis's performances from time to time, pronounces stuff or takes it in a different direction or something. But Elvis is doing his thing, man, for sure. And uh, I like it. I do want to say that in the, I don't think I mentioned this when I did the trivia about when, when Elvis dyed his hair jet black, he also dyed it to follow his favorite actors who were Tony Curtis and Rudolph Rudy Valentino. Oh. So those are Elvis's inspirations too. Well, Tony Curtis, nice. So the next movie is Jailhouse Rock, like we said. If you want to watch along at home, I have this in the four film favorites Elvis Presley classics, which mm. also includes It Happened at the World's Fair and a couple other movies possibly too. I think that's uh, the one I Stay have. Away Joe and Charo. Oh, which are a couple later okay. ones. So if you want to watch that, those that's probably the cheapest way you can get a whole bunch of those movies. I think so. Uh, you can check out all 26 shows here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. We put out a new episode of Cage Club this weekend. Yes. About Grand, Grand Isle, Isle. The fifth and final Nicolas Cage movie from 2019. I mean, maybe there's going to be a surprise one, but I think, we think. <laughs> I think, we're pretty sure. Fifth and final one. There may be another episode of Viva Pod Vegas this year. Because mm. we're probably going to, in theory, have... We're going to have to get together and do like that thing you do, because I think it's just you and me. We might do one of these, too. There might be another one of these. If not, for sure, there will be one in January, but not too much longer before the next episode of Viva Pod Vegas as we tear through this every Friday. Check out Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories, alternating Fridays. Mike and I are working our way through the Tom Tom Club. Yes. Tom Cruise's entire filmography is great. We are smack in the middle of a great Tom Hanks run right yep. now. We are post Forrest Gump, so we have post Gump smooth sailing ahead <laughs> for, for a, a while. Bit. Episode coming out this Friday is about Apollo 13. That's right. Very exciting. Uh, go to cageclub.me/shows to find all 26 shows, all 1,350 or so episodes. Just go to cageclub.me, Facebook.com/cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, King at cageclub.me. Come back next time for Jailhouse Rock. Yes. And just let us know if you're listening. This is just a weird kind of fun thing. Like, I don't think people yeah. are really... Although I have found that I think I mentioned either... I don't know if it was on air or not, but Cameron H., who is sort of a corrections and omissions superstar from How Did This Get Made. Okay. He and I are now Letterbox friends. And he watched most of or all of Elvis's movies. I also found another list where somebody did the Elvis Quest, which is basically the same thing we're doing, but I saved that list because there's a couple extra ones okay. that he did toward the end. So I think if we're going to continue past like the 31 that he was in, a couple other options on there too. Okay. But we are not the first people to do this, All but right. it's just a weird thing I think that we're doing. So if you're listening, loving it. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time, whenever it is, either this month or next, right here on Viva Pod Vegas. I am just a lonesome cowboy and I'm traveling all alone.